We've just been talking about the ocean as a victim, all these bad things that are happening to the ocean. What I want to talk about and what I believe is that the ocean is part of the solution. Welcome to Climate Curious. We're coming to you live from TED Countdown. Which is TED's Climate Summit. Now we all know that TED is normally about sparking curiosity, ideas, even inspiration. But sometimes an issue requires more than that. And climate change is just that issue. So TED Countdown is all about impact. It's all about action. Right, and we've had an amazing opportunity to speak with some of the world leaders in the climate movement. So this season of the podcast is going to be intense and it's going to be amazing. There are going to be some moments of silence, some moments of awe, definitely some laughter and some unexpected climate confessions. Some things that you've definitely never heard before. (laughs) It's a good season. It's a good season. So let's, let's get started. Ben, we're back yeah. for another episode. We're smashing them out we're here, smashing aren't we? We're doing we're a really amazing, good job. Amazing job. Um, do you like the ocean? Uh, that's a loaded question. Yes is the answer, but I'm equally in love and in fear. Okay. The, I find the ocean scary. For me, the ocean, like is the way that I connect with climate because really? I love it so much. I, I like we, We've talked a lot about I'm a city person, I like cities, I like <laughs> right, right, cities, right. all that. But the ocean is where I'm like also feel very much at peace. So I'm super excited that we have got with us an ocean expert. Oh, an oceanologist. Oh, nice <laughs> yeah. term. Is, so is Susan Ruffo <laughs> is here with us, um, Ted's, Ted's countdown speaker. Will you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to be here. Um, I have loved the ocean all of my life. I grew up by the ocean, so I'm glad to find a fellow ocean lover. (laughs) And it can be a bit scary, but it's still really amazing. Um, So yeah, I've been working on ocean conservation for several years. I work now with the United Nations Foundation, and we're really trying to make the ocean a part of this climate conversation to ensure that people know it's it's both being affected, but also part of the solution. Mm -hmm. Now, I find this... Weird, I have to tell you, as not a climate person yeah. and being new to the space, I find it odd that the oceans weren't part of the climate conversation from the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what, how we're how we're evolving, how we should be thinking? Yeah, you know, it is. I mean, as someone who loves the ocean, I kind of feel the same way. But I think what happened is we started the climate conversation really just thinking about energy and fossil fuels. Mm. And and so nature itself got left out. And then we started thinking more about trees and terrestrial things because we live on land. Um, And we're only now getting back around to the ocean. But it's such a core piece of the climate puzzle that I think we're you know, that's what we need to do is really start focusing on that. I mean, the ocean produces half of the oxygen we breathe. So it's part of the climate system. So when you said that, I was thinking the exact opposite. Like I was like, I'm really surprised that the ocean even, we need to talk about it. Like I I feel like the ocean is like, sorts itself out. Do you know what I mean? I, obviously, that's incorrect. Is that true? Like, yeah, like, does the ocean sort itself out? Well, no, this is the problem. Right. I mean, for a long time, the ocean has been doing a lot for us. So it's absorbing carbon. Right. It's actually absorbing. It's absorbed 90% of the heat. Without yeah. the ocean, imagine how hot it would be here now. Mm-hmm. 90%. 90% of the excess heat so far. So... It is doing a lot. And so far, it's, you know, the temperature of the ocean's only changed a bit. Mm-hmm. But... It can't do it forever. And so we really need to think about, you know, what are we doing to the ocean? And it's it's not too big to fail, I guess, is the bottom line. Yeah, right? Right. Yeah. And if it fails, we're in real trouble. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's start, like, with some foundations. Like, what have we done to the ocean that is bad so far? 
So like, what is the situation? So unfortunately, we've done a lot of things that are bad for the ocean. If you're thinking about the climate context, all of that CO2 that we're that we're emitting, mm. that actually gets absorbed by the ocean. So almost a third of it goes into the ocean. And it basically makes the ocean more acidic. So we're changing the chemistry of the ocean. If you can imagine that, 70% right. of the planet and we're changing the chemistry of it. Because the ocean doesn't, it's not going anywhere, right? That's the actual problem. Like it goes into the water and then it's just there. Yeah, and it's it's basically going into the water, it's changing the chemistry of the water, Shoot. and then it's also changing like how the creatures in the water are living because obviously right. they can't get out. Yeah. So if you think about like oysters and, you know, mussels and all the things that we like to eat, they actually can't make their shells because it's getting more acidic. Oh my and so you see these, you know, little tiny baby oysters with kind of misformed shells oh. and it's it's sort of wreaking havoc on all of all of these little creatures. And yep. on top of that, it's yeah. getting hotter. Yeah. Right. So it's getting warmer, which is not great. You see fish are moving to different places. So, you know, if you're a fisherman, you're not necessarily finding the fish where you used to find them. Uh, um, they're breeding at different times because everything's kind of messed up. Um, and then, of course, it's also just physically rising. Mm. <laughs> um, we hear a lot about coral reefs, right? That's probably the one thing that, when, that is part of the ocean that we've heard about. That's – I was – maybe slightly more shocked to realize how bad the situation is with coral reefs. Like, I don't think I had clocked how bad it is. Should we, can you tell us yeah, a little bit? <laughs> for everybody who's listening, I'm looking perturbed at this moment in time. So I'm like, is it really, how bad is really bad? It's it's pretty bad. Damn. I mean, as the the problem is the corals can't live when it gets much, gets much warmer. Mm -hmm. So as the water is getting warmer, they are basically losing their ability to live. There's little creatures that live inside the coral that sort of, disappear and then you see what used to be these beautiful you know colored coral reefs that we all see pictures of and wish we were in Australia yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they turn white and they die and it's just they're called bleaching and basically you see these you know expanses of just white reefs that are dead and in Australia it's a huge problem now the Great Barrier Reef which was you know one of the jewels of the world um, is in real trouble and then what happens like that I guess that's a good example or case in point, let's take coral reefs. What happens if they all die? Well, I don't. I actually don't think we know the answer to that because oh. we've never had to face that. I right. mean, the reality is like we don't know what the world looks like without coral reefs because so many people depend on those reefs for fish, for um, you know protection. Like right. a lot of communities live behind a reef; they actually slow down the water. So if we lose those reefs, we're not exactly sure what happens, but we know we lose a lot of marine life and we know it affects a lot of coastal communities. Yeah, that doesn't sound very so good. So like, that, <laughs> that that's one thing I, I think we can, is easily forgot. I mean, I'm so glad you mentioned this because I think when you think about the ocean, you can just forget that it involves people, but it also right. really involves people, right? Like yeah. you, you've mentioned the fishermen and fishwomen who rely on the fish, the people who live in coastal communities. The sea level rise, which now everyone's getting freaked out about, mm -hmm. it all affects it affects all of us, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I think if you think about it, fish actually three billion people on the planet basically get their primary protein from fish. And, you know, if you think about all of the people who are out there working as fishers, as market women, I mean, particularly in developing countries, this is about people. It's not just about the ocean. Right. And then, yeah, you think about sea level rise. I mean, any major city in the world, most of them are on coasts. So imagine, you know, what's going to happen if you think about all of these different places. Okay, so this is like, I know it's a bit 
Yeah, this is this is I've I've hit that point again. I feel like I've avoided it for a, a, a little bit this season, but there's always a point where I'm like, oh crap, this is like <laughs> this is this is really bad, and there's no way of saving us. <laughs> what but, are we supposed to do? But I'm going to transition <laughs> us because in your talk, you want us to think about this differently, right? Yes. So tell us. I mean, it is bad, but how do we, should we how should we thinking about this so we don't get in this like paralysis of like, oh my god, it's all screwed. Yes, exactly. And that I think the fundamental thing, right, is, you know, we've just been talking about the ocean as a victim, all these bad things that are happening to the ocean. What I want to talk about and what I believe is that the ocean is part of the solution. So if you think about the fact that the ocean is absorbing carbon and it is, you know, has all of these amazing different ecosystems in it, coral reefs and mangroves and salt marshes and seagrasses, it can be part of the solution. So the, the ocean can help absorb more carbon, for example. It can... You know, we can be building wind platforms out into the ocean and we can even start to think about machines that uh, produce energy from waves and tides. Right. And so I think it's really exciting. The thing is, we know we know so little about the ocean already. Um, only about 20 percent of it has really been explored and observed. Mm. And so that other 80 percent, there's a lot there. And I, I think there are a lot of solutions. And luckily, people are creative. And so we're starting to think about how we can use them. Could you give us a, like some examples of the solutions you see that really get you like hopeful and excited? Mm. I'd love to know like what people are doing. Yeah, so some of, some of the solutions that are kind of being implemented right now um, are things like how do you protect these mangrove forests along coasts or salt marshes and, and sea mangroves? Like, because I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a mangrove. Like, what does it even look like? So. A mangrove, it's basically a tree, okay. but it can live in salt water. Oh. So they actually live in places that get submerged under salt water, and they have these roots that form big arches. So they are right. kind of these elaborate, almost cathedrals, really, Beautiful. that are formed by the roots, that, and then they bush out into these trees. So they're and like they the can, tree islands in the water. Yeah, basically. And if you have lots of them, they form this big barrier that can actually slow water down and wind down. So if you live behind it, you actually get a bit of a buffer from a coastal storm. How does storm. that even work? Like how, do the, how does a mangrove just decide that it's going to grow in the ocean? I mean, this is evolution, right? Like, this is the, for no, 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 no. <laughs> I think you need a different speaker for that yeah. one. <laughs> we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. But like, I guess that is something, though, the idea that these are things that have been around for hundreds of thousands of years. And now they're, well, they were disappearing. But now people are trying to bring them back. We're trying to conserve them. We're trying to recreate them, right? Yeah, I think we're finally understanding some of the value. They're such complicated systems. Mm. So, you know, they're absorbing carbon. They're protecting coastal communities behind them. They also, they're fish nurseries, basically. So a lot of the fish that we eat kind of grow up in the mangrove swamps. Mm. Um, and people use them to produce fish. So I think we're finally understanding that they're worth so much. And they do so much for us that we're, you know, we were destroying them at quite a rapid rate. We're right. finally starting to be restoring them and protecting them, which is a good thing. Humans are so weird, man. Isn't it weird that we like destroy things until we're like, oh, wait, no, this is not actually helpful for us. And then we're like, oh, we should maybe leave them alone. <laughs> like, yeah, why mean, do we do that? I think it's like a mindset shift, right? Mm. Like what you value. I think that's the thing, big thing for me. Like I think someone said it earlier, like if you make it more just like expensive to destroy a forest than to keep it. And I know it's not all about money, but it is about value. Yeah. yeah. Way, right? Like what yeah. do we value? Yeah, and like how is I think we finally realize that they're more valuable alive than they are yes. dead, right. right? And destroyed. And so I, I think we're coming to that. So so that gives me hope. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of other cool things going on. Um, you know, I know you all 
are interested in cities. You know, in New York, they're actually using oysters to like oh, tell us them. more about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I find this like super fun and hopeful. Right? They're basically taking this idea: these like oysters have evolved to live in between land and water. Um, and they form these big reefs, right? They're very dense. And so they also slow down water as it goes through. So in New York, they're putting in oyster reefs that basically slow down the water so that, you know, when they get big surges, by the time it hits the land, it actually is not as powerful and therefore it's not going to do as much damage when it hits it. And so they're creating these, you know, parks that are designed to sort of flood and slow down water and just creating kind of this whole new space for the city. so good. You know, it reminds me of um, a few years ago at TED, I saw uh, uh, Gary Kasparov speak, the, the chess master that was defeated by a computer. Mm-hmm. And like he'd gone off, the way he tells it, he'd gone off for decades, like wounded by this loss <laughs> to a computer and had contemplated his existence and came, had kept, come back. And he talked about how like it's not about humans or machines. It's about humans doing what humans do well and machines doing what machines do well and doing that together that Hmm. is progress. Like that's how we have to think about it. And it feels like that's sometimes maybe how we have to think about nature. Like if nature does what nature, if we let nature do what it does well, like in this example of New York, and we think about what is it that humans actually do well and we do that together, it feels like there might be a solution in there in some way. Yeah, humans are so creative that you know, we can look at these things and think, wow, like, how can we build on them? And how can we sort of use them and incorporate them? And I think that's when we're at our best, um, as opposed to maybe just deciding we're going to destroy everything and replace it. <laughs> so you had this stat in your talk that kind of floored me, this idea that 80% of our oceans are unexplored. I mean, how is that possible? What is, what is out there? Uh, the Bermuda Triangle. Okay, no, okay, no mind. <laughs> We're a land-based species, so we only get as so far out into the ocean. And then it's also three-dimensional. So not only is it just an enormous area on the ocean, but it also is so deep. Like, And it's really hard. We can't get down there to even know what's possible and what's there. So, you know, some of our solutions, we think about um, things like kelp, which I talked about. Right? Kelp is a giant seaweed that forms essentially forests in the ocean. Wow. Um, it grows two feet per day. I mean, it's amazing, right? That's an, like an inch an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can almost watch it. Um, but we don't know what happens to it. Like it sequesters all that carbon, but then, you know, if it's, it, if it sinks to the bottom, that's carbon's probably sequestered for good. But if something eats it or it floats up onto the beach and rots, then it's a totally different thing. And we just, we don't understand like what happens with that whole system. Right. So Mariam, I've been thinking, how did we start this podcast? That's a great question. So at TEDx London, we're all about ideas worth spreading. We've explored everything from gender and borders to technology and design at our events. We've been doing this for five years. And in that journey, City has been our headline partner and they've been with us every step of the way. But when it came to the climate crisis, we needed a new format. We wanted to break out of the red circle to speak directly to the climate leaders, to ask questions and to be curious. And as always, City was there with us, supporting our vision, encouraging us to be courageous and adventurous with our ideas. So thank you, City, for making this podcast and all of our work possible. For the love of ideas, for the love of curiosity, for the love of progress. City. Now back to the show. I've always thought that those, like, deep-sea creatures 
hold some like secret to the universe down there yeah. don't you think like the anglerfish with yeah. the little, like i always thought like these they know something there's <laughs> definitely something down there sorry this is not the the topic of the no. podcast at all. <laughs> i'm if you carry on i'm gonna no, go I into mean, full conspiracy no mode, i think so. i mean i think for me like this idea that there's the unknown yeah. when you were speaking mm-hmm. just felt really also exciting because what in this idea of like the ocean can be a hero can be part of the solution if there's so much unknown then there's actually potential for like lots of answers to be out there you know it's not like we've searched the whole world and this we've just got left this small number of solutions yeah yeah exactly um when you do your work because it you know in your bio to me it says that you're also a diplomat and you also do this work with the un and globally what is like what do we like? Where are we in our action on oceans? Where do we need to be? How does that work, like on a global level? Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, there is a lot of action, which is encouraging. And you know, we also, in addition to climate, when you think about oceans, you think about fisheries and food and a lot of the other basic needs that we have as people. So there's a lot going on. I think what I am encouraged by is that more and more in the context of different discussions internationally, we're talking about the ocean. So in the climate discussion, we're talking about how the ocean could be part of the solution. So weaving all of that together and making sure that we think about the ocean as the sort of one system that it is, is really encouraging. And, you know, we haven't always been doing that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's so good. So you are, in your work, what are you doing? Like, what does a day in the life of, of you look like? Um, well, it looks like a lot of Zoom, <laughs> right, <laughs> which is, I right. think, for most of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, so right now I'm actually very focused on shipping and thinking uh-huh. about, so, you know, because I think like, shipping is an extension of the ocean, right? Like you don't have shipping without the ocean. Right. Shipping is 3% of global emissions, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's one sector that if you could solve, you're building the pieces of right. the solution. And we have to solve 100% of it. So exactly. 3% is a large amount. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's about the same as aviation and some of the other big sectors that right. we look at. So I spend a lot of time thinking about how do we get, because I'm a diplomat, I think about how do we get countries to really line up on a goal that, you know, international shipping, which we all share, we're going to actually go to zero emissions. And what does that look like if you have to get a green fuel that you put in a ship at one port on one side of the world, but then refuel on another side of the world? Um, And then what does that look like for the people in those communities? So I've been spending a lot of time thinking about just that whole puzzle of shipping. And, you know, my little piece of that is thinking about how do we bring countries on board in a way that um, we can really take advantage of the technologies that are out there, but also ensure that, you know, least developed countries, most developed countries are all sort of sharing this transition. Right. So if, if <laughs> in my mind now, this is the image that I've got. If we don't solve this problem, the world ends up looking like Mars, right? Like it's too hot. Everything's going to just boil away or burn up. It's going to be bad. If everything goes to plan, so all of the work that you're doing, all of the work that people like you are doing, if everything works out, what does our relationship to the ocean look like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now? So I think, and I think we can get there, but I think for me, that looks like a couple of things. Right. One is that, you know, we have gotten our emissions under control. Mm-hmm. We're no longer worrying about you know, climate change. We're even maybe starting to sort of reverse some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're not worried about like, I mean, we are going to have to live with rising sea levels because there's going to be some momentum and they're just going to kind of keep going beyond our emissions for a mm-hmm. bit. But we can start to think about that. But what I hope is that 
we are really thinking about like how we're living with the ocean then in those systems. So maybe, you know, we have more water parks in our cities and, you know, we've just understood that, um, you know, we need, we can balance that risk, but also that we're valuing that ocean system so that, you know, when we think about eating fish or, um, you know, using a plastic bottle for water, we're thinking about the effects of how that all turns into something in the ocean. Right. That's awesome. That's dope. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it could be beautiful. Like, I think you have that vision of the world that it could be. I think that's what you want to work towards. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, for thank you so much for sharing this me. vision with us. Um, we want to take one more minute of your time and move to our final segment. And now it's time for our climate confessions. Let's fess up to the bad habits we just can't kick. So. Everyone knows what this is. Yeah. I've explained it. If you don't know what it is, you can listen to a previous episode. Go back. <laughs> Go back. It's self-evident. <laughs> right. So we want to ask you, do you have a climate confession? I do. Um, and <laughs> I actually, are you okay to share it, though? You don't have you to share so it. No, 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 because I, I've actually never really, t- like, I've t- never talked about this explicitly, but it's true. Like, I love to travel. And traveling is not great for the climate, especially, you know, emissions from planes, but I love it. And I do it for work. Right. And I also just love to do it personally. And so <laughs> I really struggle with, you know, how much can mm. I, should I, can and should I be doing, both for work and for pleasure, yeah. um, when I know that, you know, I'm spewing more emissions into the atmosphere. Yeah. And how, this is a, a question I think is important, because the other day I was supposed to go, I got COVID, so I didn't go anywhere, but I was supposed to go on a flight to another place for a conference. Um, and they sent me an email about offsetting my, my carbon footprint. And I was like, mm, I don't know what that is. And then I tried to read it, but I got too bored. What do, <laughs> do you have any techniques or ways of offsetting a carbon footprint other than the fact that you do all of your work around <laughs> con- con- <laughs> conserving the ocean, which should count for something. But apart from that, I mean, I give myself a little credit for that. <laughs> yeah. And then I just try to be really conscious of, you know, being as efficient as possible. So, you know, I try not to take a lot of trips. I try to plan them really well. Mm-hmm. Um, we at work, we also look at sort of how we offset the work travel. So I feel like, you know, we're doing some good there. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the best you can do is just be really mindful of what you're doing. And so, you know, don't take an extra flight if you don't have to. Right. Um and, you know, go with good companies, I guess, is the other thing, whether it, whether it's an airline or, you know, a beverage maker. A cruise ship, yeah. <laughs> or a cruise, yeah, yeah, exactly. And just, All you right. know. <laughs> um, so travel with good airlines and no transfers. Well, That's not what you no. said. That's what no, I'm no, taking not do, from you. Not doing what one of my previous confessions was. I don't know if you remember this. I can't remember that I did this, but once I just took a flight for points. Oh, yeah, that's brutal. That is brutal. I know, it was like my worst confession. And so don't do that. Yeah, please, <laughs> please do not. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, that's, Remember, that's best line. Oh, Susan, thank you so no, much. No, thank you, this was so fun. Oh, good. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate, subscribe, and share this episode with a curious friend. It makes us possible to keep making this amazing content for you. Oh, and slide into our DMs at TEDx London and let us know which climate extraordinaires you'd love to hear from next time. Oh, and don't leave yet. We wanted to tell you a bit more about who made this podcast possible. Yeah, we did. TEDx London's headline partner, City, has been supporting us for the past five years to bring world-changing ideas to the TEDx London stage. And now they're taking it to the next level by making this podcast possible. Thanks, City. But wait, that is not all. 
No. This podcast was produced by the amazing Josie Coulter. Curation and research by the genius Tara Cooper. Artwork designed by the visionaries that are Sabrina Russo and Rebecca Mingus. Mixed and engineered by the iconic Ben Beheshti, a.k.a. The Falcon, who also composed our banging theme tune. Presented by me, Marion Pasha. And by me, Ben Hurst. Stay curious. <laughs>